0: This week on Writers Inc. I liked having an actress be sort of the main character because she's often aware of what's happening. Like when she kind of realizes she's in a rear window type situation, like she acknowledges this, like she's seen rear window and she's been in a play about a husband who is maybe trying to murder his wife. And so she sees the signs in the couple across the lake. And so she kind of is aware, like, am I in one of my plays or movies? Like it just, so there is like this meta thing going on with her. But also I liked the idea of someone whose profession of being watched now is the one doing the watching.
1: J.K. Rowling was nearly homeless when she wrote the first Harry Potter book. Stephen King penned Carrie in a small desk wedged between a washer and dryer. James Patterson worked in advertising and famously crafted the Toys R Us theme song long before becoming an author. Join New York Times bestseller J.D. Barker and indie Powerhouse's Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon as they pull back the curtain on some of the world's most prolific authors. Where do they start? What is their process? The biggest names in publishing all have origin stories, all have tips and secrets. What does it take to consistently top the bestseller lists and become a household name? Get your notepad out, school's in session. This
2: is Writers Inc. Okay, uh, I've got a confession to make. You guys smoked me out. You were absolutely right. So uh, I figured I'd come clean, if that's cool with the audience. <laughs> Go for it. I did not break my foot in the Outer Banks last week. Fact, I wasn't even in the Outer Banks, as a matter of fact. Oh, I, uh, I yeah, I was I was I was running from a crime scene, and I kind of fell. It's a bit embarrassing. Um, but let me back up. So uh, what happened was my buddy. Needed to film a video. And so um, we rented this house in Georgia <laughs> from this clueless couple.
3: Oh, you're such a dick.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we just trashed the place and I was running from the cops and I twisted my ankle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man.
3: Well, you, you know, there's a, a on the video, you can see a guy that looks a lot like Charles Manson running away and like that. That all fits. So maybe that was you. We, we saw the hair <laughs> from the back. I
1: don't know. I want to hear you rap. That's what I really. No, want you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, oh. we're, we're
3: we're still trying to fix that. Like, there's all kinds of really weird stuff. You know, so like all the furniture in the place was brand new, it replaced everything. But like somebody did their nails on so like two of the different like end tables next to the beds um you know like different people doing their nails i guess is the better way to put it um and they got nail polish on it like you can't get it off so like that's got to be replaced um the hockey table like it wasn't working like there's an air hockey table there um we had to send somebody in there to to look at that my wife just got the text a couple minutes ago they had unplugged something inside the table you know which makes no sense you know like (laughs) unless you're like purposely trying to you know create a problem you know it's not like it was unplugged from the wall like they they had to open up a panel and go inside and unsnap a you know a cable from what so I, I, I think give it's safe up.
1: to say they were purposely trying to create a problem <laughs>
3: awesome. yeah, well, yeah, it, 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 it sounds like it just you know they, they started off just wanting to do a music video and then just decided to take it to another level um we've, we've had um, houses that we flipped before that were foreclosures and people poured concrete like down the drains um, oh. which is fun you know like they, they know the bank is coming in taking their house away so like they just do everything they possibly can to destroy it and that's kind of like the go-to um, if they're not like defecating in a corner and sometimes they do that too uh, but yeah sometimes i pour concrete down like the tub drains and the bathroom drains and the kitchen drains and just basically destroy the plumbing and you've got to take it all out so that, that's always fun uh, but i've never had somebody like purposely tear apart a hockey table and then put it back together and to make it seem like they didn't touch it I, I've, I've given up trying to figure it out my wife is still trying to to piece it all together um yeah, that's where we're, we're at with that. I, I actually did something very u- unique for me, anyway. In the last week and a half or so, I, I had to go to Pittsburgh for an event, um, and my Mac was broken. Like, I, I've got a it's a 2019 MacBook Pro, um, and anybody who has Macs, like, they had this huge keyboard problem going on for a couple different versions of the, the Mac. Um, yeah. And what happens is the, the keys basically either stick or they just stop working. So if you're typing along and like you hit the end key and like no end shows up on the screen, you know, and you, you catch that like two sentences later because your brain you know realizes what's going on. Um, but like it basically just starts happening. I had like four or five keys on the keyboard that were doing that. So I had to drop the Mac off at the store to get them to replace it. And it's like a week long process without a computer. Um So I went out and bought a, um, a, a an iPad Air um, with a Magic Keyboard. And so for the first time, I was basically writing on an iPad instead of my Mac. And it, it's it was awesome. Kind of, yeah, it was, it was kind of refreshing. I mean, I, I went through a bunch of different apps trying to figure out the best way to do this because I wanted to be able to sync up the data and like, I, you know, Scrivener has got an app for that, but it, I just, I don't like it. Um, you know, and that's really, you don't just, like the Scrivener iPad app. No, I just, I don't like the sync process. It, it makes me really nervous. It makes me feel like it's going to override something just because it's like, it feels like a manual sync.
1: Oh no, um, dude, you can have, you can have your script. What's cool about it is you can have your Scrivener file open on your computer Mm-hmm. And open it on your iPad, which you can't normally do, and it'll do like a mobile sync thing and it works flawlessly. Oh, like okay. I, because I, I, I write one of my regular setups when I go to coffee shops. I actually sent Jay a picture the other day. Uh, it's, I, I was like, it's really kind of pretentious. I have a, uh, I'll show you actually a mobile mechanical keyboard oh, and then cool. an iPad mini. And that's how I write in coffee shops. And I use Scrivener and it's like, it's, it's, you should feel pretty safe about it. If you want to use it, it works really well.
3: I'm just, some 40,000 words into this book. And like, I could just see, you know, like coming back from this and loading up my Mac and seeing like 2000 words in the file instead of the 40,000. Um, but yeah, I'll give it a shot maybe when I I start something new. Um, but I had to go to Pittsburgh to, um, to, to do a a talk at a library, which was fun. I I got to do a road trip. Um, it's about a 10 hour drive or so. Um, and I've been working on this callers game screenplay. Um, we came up with, I was on the phone on and off with my agent. We were just coming up with different ideas. Um, so it it gave me a chance to, to basically think and take a step back and, and kind of focus on that a little bit. Um, then I came back, I was home for maybe 35 minutes and my wife loaded me back in the car and we went up to Maine, um, to look at some property. Um, so this was, it started off as something we, you know, like we've always wanted something on the water. Um, you know, know, like we live on an Island, but we're not actually on the water. Like I can see the water from my office window during the winter time, you know, when the trees are clear, but like the rest of the time, we're just, we're, it's like just there. It's like, it teases us. It's not good Um, enough. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we've got this, one of our properties, um, we've got a, a really sizable profit and it. it's a, about 700,000 in profit if, if we sell it um, right now. Um, and you basically, you can do two, another real estate lesson here. You can do two things there. You can either sell it and you can take the capital gains hit on your taxes, uh, or you can do an exchange for another property, as long as it's a, what they consider to be like kind. So you can buy another rental property and you can roll those profits into that new property. Um, so we're, we're considering doing that. So we were looking at property up in Maine. Um, we found this really, really cool lot that's it's on a cliff and I I think I sent Jay pictures I don't know if I sent him to you Zach but it's on a cliff um it's got a staircase going down to it it's basically got its own private beach because you can't get to it any other way um and it's just the people that bought it. They bought it about forty years ago. They put in septic. They put in all the utilities, you know, water, power, all that stuff. They put in a driveway, and then they ran out of money. Um, so they've got a mobile home that they've had sitting there for the last forty years, um, and they basically come up from Florida once a year and just kind of hang out there for for a month or two, and then head back. But they haven't touched it in those, those forty years, other than that. Um, so it's a great location to to build something. So we're 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 thinking about that. Um, the real estate agent, when she was showing it to us, she pointed out that it. Have you ever heard of the? Um, Uh, Gateway to the Netherlands or to the uh, Netherworld. Mm -mm. So, like, did you watch Lock and Key? the Joe Joe Hill thing.
1: I I haven't watched it on. All right. what it is, but yeah.
3: So in the story, they've got these caves, um, wherever it is, the story takes place and you can only get to them at low tide. Um, and they're basically like the caves are considered to be a gateway to the underworld. Um, so that's on that property, which we learned like after the fact, um, there are these really cool caves and Jay was joking that it's a good place to hide a body because it just kind of has that sort of vibe. Um, the native Americans actually used to take their dead down there and put them in these caves and the tide would come in and sweep the dead bodies out. So I, guess somebody's already been there done that um but it, it's a cool cool lot so i'll let you know what happens but um we're we're in the process of uh, possibly buying that one
2: yeah that that's pretty cool zach did you see how quickly he dodged
1: the whole the the rap house discussion there
0: oh yeah we're
1: in fairness when you when you missed last week because you know you hurt your uh, foot he talked uh, about it He's pretty i depressed. just have one more question i just want to know i have a when, legit when question. the
2: video premiere is going to be and when where we can watch it <laughs> you know i've honestly asked for
1: that like have you? you know after all <laughs> i of this, would want that too yeah, yeah I,
3: I want the video you know because at the very least we can probably use it for promo for the house you know at, <laughs> at some point but i would like to at least see what the the end result of, of all this was because i you know back when i worked for um rca like i i been on a ton of movie sets or, or video sets, music video sets. Um, and we never destroyed a house to do that. Uh, I I think the worst thing we ever did is we took a parking garage and they, we spray painted, you know, so several things inside, which I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations on that has run out by now. Um, well like they put the band name i think on the, the floor but like that was the biggest oh and oh, no, i take that back Now we set a road on fire once now that i
2: <laughs> oh now it's all coming back but yeah it's all, <laughs> little,
3: all coming back to me now yeah there was, there was a scene in the music video where they wanted to make it look like the car you know like when it, it took off it was a 57 chevy they wanted to make it look like the, t- the tire tracks were on fire um so they poured gasoline and strips behind the, the car going back about 200 feet and lit those on fire and filmed it in reverse um the brainiac who thought about this and this was like at two o'clock in the morning you know because you got to do the sort of thing at night um the brainiac who thought all this up didn't realize that blacktop is actually flammable um you know because it's it's oil-based you know so once you set it on a fire it is very difficult to put it out like you can't just put it out with you know a splash of water or so so like the the fire actually burnt grooves into the the road um that were there for years um statute of limitations i think ran out on that one too i i need to shut my mouth before i get myself in trouble
2: (laughs) well let's talk about writing projects what are you guys working on this week (laughs)
3: Well, I, I, summed it up. I mean, you know, just working on that same book, working on my iPad. Um, I, I, did get a couple messages that I should probably touch on. Um, cause we were talking about the Simon and Schuster penguin random house thing last week. Um, uh, a bunch of people shot me email saying, well, you know, if Simon and Schuster, you know, gets upset, they'll just fire King and he's going to go indie." Um, like I've had this conversation before and like, I know where these guys are at. And a lot of people have, you know, consider like, why aren't some of these big name authors going indie? you know, because King could obviously do that. He's got the audience. He can take it wherever he wants. You know, Patterson you know any of the big name authors could could easily do it but the truth is they're not doing it because they want to help out the rest of us um, you know Patterson you know the number of books that he sells the amount of money that he generates for Hachette and for little brown is insane and that money basically goes back into the coffers and they use it to pay new authors debut authors advances they pay their existing you know catalog to try and build those authors you know build up a, you know new names um, that's why they do it you know that's why King is still with with a publisher and rather than doing this kind of thing on his own he knows that he's helping out the next generation, um, of, of, authors. So you're, you I, I, seriously doubt you're going to see any of these guys ever, ever, do something like that. I think the closest is, was, uh, Dean Koontz going to Thomas and Mercer. Um, and it basically did the same thing, you know, Thomas and Mercer, it, it, you know, they've, they've got more money at this point and they're paying their authors better. If you look at some of the deals that they've signed over the last couple of years in signing Koontz, they're writing some pretty big checks for, for some decent sized authors. So I, I wanted to bring that up because a lot of people were, you know, oh, he's just going to go indie and give them a big finger. And like, no, that's not how it works. Like he's, he's there for a reason. And it's we we should all appreciate that.
1: It would be interesting if someone did that though. Like if if there was if you know one of them just didn't really care about giving back and helping other authors, and they just <laughs> went indie. It would be it'd be interesting. But that that's cool to hear. You know that that's that that's the reasoning because I've I've always wondered that too. Like why from a business standpoint, especially when you have that sort of money, you could just hire a team to do all the stuff for you that you normally do indie. But the, so that's interesting and good to hear. But yeah, me, I'm, you know, uh, I I mentioned last week that my daughter was gonna be going back to school this week, which has been, um, which has been awesome. I mean, it's been a, uh, Yeah. As I mentioned last week, as you guys know, like this, this whole summer was just weird for me. So like to get back into a very regular routine has been great. And I feel like I've gotten more work done this last week than I have in a while. So, um, so that's, that's, that's been, that's been good. So that's been, it's been my big thing. So I've I've been excited about that and she's, uh, she's killing it in second grade already. So I I can't believe she's already in second grade. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy.
3: My my wife saw, is out clothes shopping right now for our daughter. She's starting kindergarten, and at uh, I think the thirtieth of the month is her first day. Um, yeah, you guys very, start
1: late up there. I was talking to yeah, my buddy yeah. T W Piperbrook, and his, he's in New Hampshire or uh, Connecticut, and he was like, "Yeah, uh, they start late. Our kids start early here."
3: <laughs> I I don't. I, my wife was telling me that she thinks it's just because we have such a limited amount of like summer where they can yeah. play outside. They want to give them as much time as possible before you know we got to shutter everything up and hide from winter. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah. What are you doing, Jay? I guess just trying not to break anything. Trying to heal. Trying to heal your foot. (laughs) No,
2: you know, in all seriousness, I haven't ran in two weeks and I'm completely off. I'm totally off. I can't. I'm having a hard time focusing. And I've forgotten that like your body uses a lot of energy to heal. So like my stamina is just way down as far as like work is concerned. And I'm just trying to be patient with myself because, uh, you know, I want to be better now, but uh, it doesn't quite work like that.
3: Yeah, that, that's a big thing. I think a lot of people don't don't think about it. Like my wife is a hardcore, like she goes to the gym, at, you know, she tries four or five times a week. Um, she's not at the gym. She tries to work out at home. Um, but with everything that she's had going on lately, she had probably, I guess, about four or five weeks straight where she wasn't able to do that. Um, and she put on a little bit of weight. And for my wife, like that's hardly nothing. Like you can't see it or anything, but like she feels it. Um, but, you know, it, her mood and everything else is what really got impacted. Like people don't realize how, you know, those, the endorphin release that you get from exercising, how much that can help you um and just give you that that extra boost of energy um you know like i I, i've been traveling for like the last week and a half and like i was jonesing to get back in the home gym and just get out there and just go for a run like i i really missed it because i just I start getting all sloggy and like i want to sleep late i want to go to bed early i want to eat more and like everything just starts going in the opposite direction of where it should be um i've broken bones before so i i get that too like you know like does your leg feel heavier Like that's the one thing that I always noticed like that. Cause it It feels clinky too. Like, like I can walk on it, but it doesn't, it's not, doesn't
2: feel stable, you know? Yeah. Very, very weird stuff. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully be, you know, back to normal soon. But, uh, Uh, I want to mention one more thing before we take care of some business, which is you may or may not have noticed over the past few weeks, we've had some fluctuations in audio quality. Uh, That's because we've, we had some, some technical issues, some, some changeover and some help. And I wanted to give a shout out to our buddy, Jeff Emberlin, who has come on as sort of the uh, audio engineer uh, and he's doing all the mixes on the files and uh, sounding really good. So uh, thanks to Jeff for that. And uh, we, we think we have the ship righted now. We should be in, in the, heading in the right direction. If you listen on multiple speed, you may not have even noticed, but just thought we'd mention that uh, just in case you were wondering. All right. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our wonderful friends over there at Kobo Writing Life. Uh, Kobo Writing Life is a must if you are publishing wide because you can publish your books in any country. You get uh, opportunities for monthly uh, promotions and you can do all that without any exclusivity. So there's a link in the show notes or you can get started right now by going to KoboWritingLife.com. JD, who is
3: our guest this week? All right. We've got Riley Sager. um, Third time, right? I think um, a New York Times bestseller of six books. His first novel was Final Girls, which was published in 30 countries and won the ITW Thriller Award for best hardcover that particular year. His latest book is called The House Across the Lake, and it just released uh, in June. Here he is, Riley Sager.
1: All
3: right. If you're playing Writers Inc. bingo, you can check
2: off Riley Sager for episode 35 and 90. Uh, Those are the previous appearances. Riley, what's up, man? How you doing? hey how are you I'm great good good uh you're you're a veteran of the show now so it's it's nice for me as the as the interviewer not to have to um trudge you through your your backstory and (laughs) your personal history and we can get right to the good stuff which is (laughs) the house across the lake oh my goodness
0: yeah skip over all the boring stuff
2: (laughs) where do we even begin with this why why don't why don't you give like the elevator pitch the synopsis we'll start there
0: yeah um so it's it's basically Rear Window on a Lake is, is what I sort of pitched it to my editor and my agent. And it was what I first got in my head because this was, I was kind of at the lake house and the lake in the book. Oh. It was, yeah, it, it was during, it was October, 2020 pandemic had shot all travel plans to heck. And, you know, we just needed to get out of the house. And so it's like, let's go to someone else's house. And so like, I found this this lake house for rent on this lovely picturesque lake in in Vermont. And I'm like, let's go there for a week and just chill. And so the very first night, we brought everything in, unpacked. And then I went out to this porch that just basically sits right on the water and sat down on one of these really cool rocking chairs. I had a bourbon in my hand And then I stared at the houses on the other side of the lake and they were all lit up. And like, the listeners can't see this, but you will see me like I did like literally did this. Hmm. I like (laughs) leaned forward and just was like trying to like, who lives in these houses? They're so nice. And like, just, you know, like a lit window is tantalizing. You can't help but like just sort of like look closer like, Oh, what's, and not in a, a skeevy way, but just in a curious, you know, human curiosity way. And so I'm like, who lives there and what's their life like? And what is it like to live on this lake? And then because I'm a thriller writer, you know, like, do they have any dark secrets they're trying to hide? Have they ever killed anyone? Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's where your mind goes first. <laughs> so you were saying the the,
2: the, lit, the lit window in the darkness, uh, that, that was sort of inspiring to you.
0: Yeah, you just want to see like what's on the other side of that window. You want to see what's going on in that room.
2: Casey, Boone, uh, and then Tom and Catherine Boyce seem to be the heart of the story for me, uh, which I, I just ripped through this book. I could not put it down. Um, thank you again for writing such a beautifully crafted story. Uh, but I, I'd love to talk a little bit about those characters, sort of, uh, you know, where, where they came from, how they came to you, how they ended up on the page
0: yeah I I knew for this kind of story to work that we needed a protagonist who um is kind of messed up in a lot of ways and and there's a reason she becomes obsessed with Tom and Catherine Royce the people in the house across the lake and that's because well there are many many reasons and some of them are spoilery but um she doesn't have a lot going on at the moment. Like she was kind of banished to that lake house by her mother because she got into some publicity problems. Casey is an actress. Um, She's not an A-lister. I'd say she's probably like maybe B or C. People definitely know who she is. Like she is a name. And um, she just needs to go into hiding for a bit. And so she goes to the family's lake house in Vermont and I liked having an actress be sort of the main character because she's often aware of what's happening. Like when she kind of realizes she's in a rear window type situation, like she acknowledges this, like she's seen rear window and she's been in a play about a husband who is maybe trying to murder his wife. And so she sees the signs in the couple across the lake. And so she kind of is aware, like, am I in one of my plays or movies? Like it just, so there is like this meta thing going on with her. But also I liked the idea of someone whose profession of being watched now is the one doing the watching. I thought that was a really nice turning of the tables.
2: Yeah, very much so. Uh, c- can you can you talk um, just for a minute about... Uh, in case the listener is not familiar with Rear Window, uh, what was Rear Window, and and what was you, what was your impression of it? How did that affect you know what you've done with it, or the concept, I should say.
0: Well, yeah, Rear, Rear Window is sort of like the granddaddy of them all in terms of these voyeuristic plots. Um, and it was Jimmy Stewart, and he was in an accident, so he his his leg was in a cast, so he had he couldn't leave his apartment, so he just spends his time watching. The neighbors in the courtyard of his apartment building with his telephoto lens because he's a photographer and he thinks that Raymond Burr (laughs) the guy across in the the, like apartment like right across from his might have murdered his wife and it all takes place in that apartment I think there may be like there's like one shot at the end outside of the apartment but it's so like you are in this apartment with Jimmy Stewart, looking through these large windows at uh, like this expanse of like apartment building and seeing all the neighbors and what's going on in their lives, and it's a masterpiece. Like it is, it is a perfect movie, and those are hard to find. And so I saw it. I think I might have been like thirteen or fourteen when I first saw it, and I was like, "Oh man, I I love this." And and again, it taps into that thing of. We all like to watch because we are all kind of curious. And he doesn't begin like as like a peeping Tom. He begins as someone like, I'm bored, I have a telephoto lens. Let's just see what the neighbors are doing. And then it kind of becomes this obsession where I think the neighbor murdered his wife and I needed to prove it because no one will believe me. And, you know, over the decades that has spawned so many books, so many movies. You know, the list would go on and on and on and on. And I knew that if I wanted to do this plot, I needed to come up with a really fresh take on it. And I think I can safely say that I do, but to say more would spoil a whopper of a twist, (laughs) banana pants twist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As
2: uh, I think people magazine said uh, best plot twist yet. And, uh, and I would agree with that. I, it's hard for me to talk around it. So, so we won't, we won't go near it. Uh,
0: yeah. But a writer friend of mine who's reading it right now, like messaged me last night being like, Holy twistler! I did not, <laughs> not see this coming. And I was like, thank you. Thank you very much.
2: Well, you know, the, the thing about the rear window story uh, or the real, Archetype, if that's such a thing, is it um, as a as a viewer or a reader? And I had this experience with uh, House Across the Lake. Is I felt like I couldn't escape the story. I, I felt like my back was against the wall. And I was for, I was like, I was being forced in, in a good way. Like I just couldn't, there was nowhere to go. Right. And, um, and I think with the lake house, you were able to, to, to do that in a, in a very masterful way. And, and it get much like survive the night where you kept me in the car the whole time and and wouldn't let me out. I kind of had that same, that same feeling here. And I, and I know this is, I asked you this question already, but I got to ask it again. Like, how do you sustain that over a whole novel? How do you, how do you keep the reader in that position
0: the whole time? I don't know. I just, I just, I I really don't. I just sort of do it. And then, you know, revision helps. My editor helps. But I, I do like a good atmospheric setting. And I like a small cast of characters. Like, I think that does add to the claustrophobia because there are not many houses on that lake. There are not many people living on that lake. It's it's a really isolated place. And I really liked the idea of just having it be like this own sort of, they're not, they can access the outside world, obviously, but it's it's a very insulated world that they're living in. And it just kind of brings on the claustrophobia a little bit. And then there's the, the idea of like, just the lake itself. Like, i I can't say too much, but Hollywood has come calling about this movie. And I had a a meeting with a director and a producer and they were like, so lakes are the scariest body of water, right? (laughs) And I'm like, yes, (laughs) lakes are indeed the scariest body of water. (laughs) And they are like, there's just something about a lake that hits different than like a river or an ocean or something. And I, I think it's, I don't know why actually, (laughs) but there's something creepy about lakes.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, even if you go back to like, you know, the, the classic slasher films, you know, uh, from, from the eighties and stuff, it's, it's always a lake. And, and I wonder if like, is it because a lake hides things? Whereas like yes. maybe an ocean and a river, there's always movement. Right. But, but a lake, things
0: can kind of just settle and stay. A lake is it's kind of still, and you don't know how deep it is. Mm. And, and also, yeah, like rivers are always flowing, but lakes are, they are just sort of still and settled and waiting in a way. And it's, it's, and, and staying at the, at the lake house where I came up with the idea for the book, like there was one night where I was sitting out there on the porch and it was it was late, it was dark and a wind had picked up. And so it was blowing the water against the rocks and it sounded like multiple people were just sort of, trudging through the water right at the edge of shore. And it creeped me out so much because it was so dark. I couldn't see, like the water was there. I could hear it, but I couldn't see it. And you just heard this splash, 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 splash. And I was like, are people coming to kill us right now? Like, is this what, it it, it just was so unnerving. And I tried to kind of capture that in the book, like that moment of what's going on with the water right now, because I don't like it.
2: Well, it's interesting that you said that you stayed there in October because I think you got a double whammy effect with the lake house and that it was also, I would assume off season. There's something super creepy about, about summertime locations in the off season. Um, And you had, so you had that isolation and you also, you know, you had very few people on the lake, but also at a time when no one was there either. And that's just the creep factor was just up a level with that.
0: Yeah, but and but the place we stayed at is so beautiful, (laughs) and we loved it so much that we went back the next year. And so it was a full circle moment. I finished the final revisions to the house across the lake on the same porch where I got the idea, like exactly one year later. Wow! And it it was not planned. It just happened to be like, okay, we're going back to the lake this time, and oh, here are my revisions, and I'm and so it was it was a really profound full circle thing to be sitting on that same porch and be like, and done.
2: (laughs) What was it like coming back? Did did you, were you validated or did you panic and like in having a different experience being on the, on that same lake a year later?
0: Uh, No, it was, it was exactly the same. It was, it was, it was one of those weird things. Like if you, if you go to a place And then you return a year later and there's this weird deja vu where it feels like you never left. And so that was, that was a weird moment to be like, okay, I know a year has passed since we've last been here, but it feels like we just walked in that door yesterday. (laughs) So that was the weird.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I think what's become the mandatory question for most thrillers and horrors these days is the, the mobile phone question. Uh, and in, in this particular story, um, you it didn't seem to be a factor. Uh, did you have to write around that subconsciously? Were you thinking about that at all? Did that matter to you?
0: No, I, I, I mean, because yes, mobile phones are just the devil <laughs> to 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 thriller writers because it's like, what do you, what do you do with all this technology literally in your hand? And so I th- thought the only way to deal with it is to make it part of the story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Tom and Catherine Royce, the people across the lake. You know, she's a former model and he is a tech guru who founded this app that it's you can track people basically like it's you can find where people are located like people who use the app, you can see where they're located. And I thought that that was a great way for Casey to try to find out where Catherine is when she starts to suspect that Catherine's missing and something weird is going on. And she immediately checks the app and sees like, according to this app that her Catherine's husband created, she's in the house across the lake right now, but I know that she's not. And so what's going on? And so I thought that that was a cool way to make it part of the story. Instead of being like, no, there's no cell reception here. Everyone put away your phones. Instead to be like, everyone get out your phones. And like, let's start looking where people are in relation to each other.
2: Yeah. And it was, it was so believable. Um, I, I don't think it's spoilery to say this, but you know, at one point someone notices that the calendar on the wall and in the Instagram post doesn't match the, the the date. Right. And there's like this, and I'm like, of course, like we all do that. Right. We all, we all pinch and zoom in on the, mm-hmm. on those photos to look at those details. And it just gave it a, a real sense of authenticity and that you, instead of sort of, uh, denying or running from that challenge of social media, you just kind of baked it right in. Because
0: I've, you know, I, I deal with it almost every book. I remember like in Final Girls, you know, I had to have an excuse for like, you know, this is a party, so no cell phones. I don't want to see any of this on Facebook. Everyone put your cell phones in the car and we'll lock it. And I was like, that is such a lame way to like get rid of cell phones. <laughs> but it had to be done. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, now I like with Survive the Night, it was set in the past. The book I'm writing now is set in the past because it's just one of those plots where it, if a cell phone exists, it would ruin everything. Yeah, And so the, going forward, it either has to be like, okay, this book is set in the age before cell phones, or we're going to lean into it and everyone's using their cell phones.
2: This is just kind of a, a wild question. I don't expect you to have a good answer for it, but could you almost see a new sub coming out of uh, emerging in the mystery thriller suspense Uh, genre around um pre-cell phone
0: stories like could that become a thing i wouldn't be surprised i it would be it would be a great conversation to have like just like at thriller fest or Bouchercon, just like at the bar later just get some thriller writers together and be like okay guys how are you dealing with cell phones because (laughs) i'm set my next book in 1983 (laughs) that's you know and i i wonder if yeah that that could that's a very interesting question yeah, I I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe you're starting it, you don't even know.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh it, cuz I, I would imagine that there are readers who have those same uh the same preferences too, right? There're probably readers who are like, "Ah, I don't want to I don't want to read a story where a cell phone's going to spoil it, right? Like I want to read something that takes place before they were around." So, I don't know, it it, it could be a thing. I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really and 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 technology is only getting more advanced and making life easier for everyone, and making plots harder for thriller writers. <laughs> uh, are you? Are you?
2: Do you feel like you're in a stage of your career where you have identified your how, how I can put this like your sweet spot, your go to kind of story? Are there any sort of Descriptures or adjectives that you could use that would explain the kind of writer you think you are right now?
0: Yeah, I a couple of years ago, some reader said I was RL Stein for adults. And I kind of like that. Except I mean, he he's more supernatural. But I mean, like people sort of classify me. Some say like I'm thriller, some say I'm mystery, some say I'm horror. And I think I'm all three. And so like I think like that's my niche where I sort of carved a path for myself where like, oh, he blends all of them together and that's fun. And I I do think that I came about at the right time because I I do see this. I won't call it a trend necessarily because sometimes they're like very, you know, they come and go, but there is a, a sense of modern gothic that's like really big in the genre right now and so like I definitely think I'm I'm part of that like this modern gothic where it's yes it's a thriller yes it's mystery yes sometimes spooky things are going on sometimes downright scary horror type things are going on but it's all this weird stew (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: yeah yeah I'm uh well, as always, man, I, I I love your writing. I love your stories. Anytime I pick up a book of yours, I know I'm in for a treat, and I'm, I'm not going to be able to put it down. Uh, so, so maybe we could wrap up, um, and by you telling us a little bit about what you're working on now, as much as you can say. What's what are you? What's on your on your computer these days?
0: Yeah, all I can say is that I'm behind, on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's due to my editor very soon. And so, like that is taking up all of my time when I. I went on book tour for the first time in two years, and it was great to, you know, be in stores again and see people in person again. It was also terrifying because COVID, but, you know, I soldiered through it. it was. It was fun and COVID free. But like the very first event I was asked, like, you know, what are you looking forward to? I'm like, I'm looking forward to going home and finishing my next book (laughs) because it has to get done. Um, I can't say really anything except I already mentioned it's it's set in the past.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: and it it continues that sort of modern gothic vein. It's mm. it's probably my most gothic, using the traditional definition of my book so far.
2: Excellent. Is that a uh, anticipated for twenty twenty three?
0: It we've yeah we have a release date already. Oh, nice. Okay, so, no no pressure there. <laughs> Like my editor said, okay, your release date is this. And I was like, can I finish the book first? <laughs> She's like, you'll get it done. So yeah, it's, it'll, be, it'll be June, 2023. Perfect. Unless something, something horribly goes awry with like the, you know, final quarter of the book I have left to write.
2: Or, or if you end up at a house across the lake with a, 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 a nasty turn of events.
0: Yes. Yeah. But fingers crossed, it'll be June, 2023.
2: All right. Before we get into talking about the Riley Sager interview, I want to give you guys a reminder that uh, if you are looking for a place to do your formatting for any of your books, you got to check out Atticus. Uh, Dave and the team sponsoring the podcast and uh, we, we use Atticus. Love it. Uh, it's a great place to keep all your files. You can write in it. Uh, and they're really good about keeping on the updates. They're, they're updating Atticus multiple times a month. It seems like, so, uh, make sure to check them out in the show notes. If you're looking for a formatting tool. All right. Riley Sager. I don't even know where to start. This guy is uh, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite interviews. And, uh, man, I don't know. Let's start with you, Zach takeaways, thoughts.
1: Yeah. Um, it- for one it was really cool to have him back on again it's you you guys always uh seem to have fun together when when he's on so but uh i'll tell you the big thing for me was just a reminder about how getting out of your everyday environment how that can spark things you know he he talked about um and you know just obviously he it was during you know the high of the pandemic in October of twenty twenty, and they just needed to get away. But you know, going to that cabin, he probably went there just thinking he like not thinking he was going to come up with this book idea just by being there, but um, just getting out and doing that. and and I think it's I think it's also you know not everybody has the ability to travel and stuff like that. And I think you can just by even go out and explore your own city and stuff like that, I think you can spark a lot of the a lot of the same ideas. I mean, that's happened with me before. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Jay, Jay, and I wrote a series together that took place in Nashville and a lot of the stuff that came from there just was from me getting out and just exploring parts of the city I'd never seen and, uh, are, never looked at in depth. Um, so that was, that was really cool to, to me to hear just, you know, being at that cabin, how that sparked this whole novel for him.
3: I'm I'm like halfway through the book right now. Like they, they sent the ARC over, and like I just have been swamped. Um, and I actually I downloaded the audiobook and I I, I started listening to that, and it, it's fantastic. And you know, Riley is one of those few writers like you know that I, I seriously look forward to each release, and he completely ropes me in from the get go. And like it is, you can't close that cover. It's very difficult to put the audiobook away. Like you just you want to get to the finish line. Um, you know he he touched on something, and and you know like there's obvious themes going on in his book. You know where. He's, he's hitting uh, particular things that we've seen in the past and just trying to, to redo them in a way where they're they're just a little bit better so in this case it was rear window um, and first of all if you're an author or a filmmaker or any type of storyteller if you haven't seen rear window you need to get out there and see rear window um, pretty much anything that Hitchcock did that's you know it's, they're, they're all phenomenal but like you know rear window like you know he described this as rear window on a lake you know like it's and that everybody who's you know or most people have uh, understand exactly what that means you know like you could say rear window in space and like even that you know like it it could be done um you know it's just it's one of those things um so yeah definitely check check out the hitchcock stuff um jay you actually brought up something that i never really thought about before but like the the off season and some of these vacation places just how creepy those those spots are like you were just in the carolinas right yeah kill devil hills yeah, so my wife and I, you know, obviously we talk about the real estate stuff all the time, but one of the places we looked um, pretty heavily was the Outer Banks in the Carolinas. Um, and it's one of those types of places, you know, there's a couple months out of the year where it's completely hopping and it's just packed and bumper to bumper traffic and you can't get anywhere, there's so many people. Um, but you go two weeks outside of that window, every store is closed, there's nobody on the road, you know, nobody there. Um, you know, gas stations are literally closed in that area. You know, it's 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 crazy, it's such a, a weird dynamic. Um, And it does feel extremely creepy, you know, like you're, whether you're, you know, just going to a shopping center and it's empty, or you're at a, you know, a house that you rented and everything around you is empty, um, there's definitely a strange vibe there. Um, and and I totally get the idea of like traveling, like like Zach just said, um, you know, like if you're writing something like this and you've got the ability to actually go to a lake house, um, or even if you're writing something totally different, like sitting on a porch at a lake house, um, is, for whatever reason, it's a very inspiring type thing for for authors. Like I've I've pounded out so many stories doing that exact same thing. Um, I think everybody should try getting out of their office every once in a while.
2: Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's like an official horror trope or not, but uh the the abandoned amusement park is yeah. is is super creepy, right? And um especially on the East Coast, like um Ocean City, New Jersey, or Ocean City, Maryland, or Myrtle Beach where there's boardwalks, uh you get that too because on the like a lot of times on the boardwalks they have like a Ferris wheel or, or they have rides or they have a, a game arcade. And it's the same thing. If you walk down the boardwalk in like October or November, and everything is just boarded up, it's literally boarded up, you know, for hurricane
1: season and stuff. And it's super creepy. So uh, <laughs> I just want to add it to that. Yeah, that's like, that's one of my favorite uh, <clears throat> internet rabbit holes to dive down is like abandoned malls and amusement parks and stuff like that. And I think that's what is so appealing for, you know, people who like, us who me and you, Jay, and, you know, a lot of people who are into like post-apocalyptic fiction, you know, just that idea of, of emptiness and, and things not, uh, you know, the abandonment and even coming back to, um, another, another thing about that genre, like that relates to the conversation you guys had was like talking about cell phones and, and, and kind of the, you know, how you have to get around that, which is, Fortunately for me, pretty much never a problem in all the books I write because it, again, they're post-apocalyptic and, but, uh, but I always think about stuff like that, like home alone, like that movie wouldn't work today, you know, with, with cell phones, you know, um, J- JD, I'm, like, I know you write contemporary thrillers. So how do you work around that?
3: Yeah, well, I think Riley hit it on the head when he was talking about it. You either have to find a time period or a way to, to eliminate them. So, you know, you can either eliminate them by stepping back in time before they existed. You can create some type of problem that prevents them from working um, or you have to completely embrace them. You have to kind of go in the other direction. Like the book that I'm working on right now, it's, it's you know, centers very heavily around an app, um, you know, so everybody's got their phone out and they're using it for for various things. So, you know, you have to figure out a way to use it. Um, you know, my daughter is starting kindergarten, like her backpack's got an, an Apple AirTag, so it into the, the inside of the backpack. You know, it's like we can track our daughter's backpack or our daughter in, in, in many cases. Um, they've got shoes that have those now for, for little toddlers. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a very weird thing. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've kind of done what Riley did. I've got a couple books, you know, that I've just set back in the eighties just because it's easier to, to get rid of them. Um, you know, I live on an Island where there is no cell service. Um, you know so unless you're on wi-fi you don't get a cell signal so you know that's another way to do it you can go to some remote location but a lot of those things have already been done you know, you can only, you know, create that problem so many, so many times. Um, so you have to try and come up with something unique. So in Riley's case, he just kind of embraced it. You know, I'm not going to turn away from the cell phones this time. I'm just going to, you know, make them part of the story and work, you know, from that, that angle. Um, but they definitely need to be a conscious decision. And it's changed virtually everything about the, the storytelling process. Like a Sherlock Holmes story with cell phones would probably be a, you know, a two pager at this point. You know, it's the modern technologist completely changes what, you know, the way police procedural and everything else, you know, works.
1: Yeah. And another thing that, that you guys talked about related to the environment, I thought that I was, I, I never really thought about was like the creepiness of a lake <laughs> and just, I, I never thought about, I never thought about that, how rivers and oceans obviously move and lakes are very still. And there's a very much, and when you were talking about that, I was thinking back, you even mentioned Friday the 13th. And I was thinking about some of the really iconic shots in those movies, like specifically at the end of the first movie, when, you know, they're they're out, she's out on the lake and the lake is completely still. There's like nothing going on. And then spoiler alert for people who haven't seen a 40-year-old movie, but you know, um, but then you know, the Jason comes up from the bottom, you know, and all that. Zombie oh. Jason. And sorry, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but but yeah, like that was I thought that was that was really interesting too. And just one of those things again you know, you're not going to notice unless you put yourself in those environments
3: you know it's fun like even if somebody hasn't seen the original friday the 13th like it's worth i'm sure it's on youtube just watch that ending um because everything about it is perfect you know like it's it's crazy screaming all this going on everybody's dying and all of a sudden you know finally you hit this nice quiet calm spot you know the music is nice and calm and like you know you feel like you're at the end of that horror roller coaster you know the credits are going to start running you know if you're in the movie theater you're probably picking up all the stuff around you're getting ready to go um and they like completely rope you into that and then then jason gets and as far as I know, that was the first time they actually did that in a movie. I mean, it's been done to death ever ever since then. Um, but using the environment is huge. You know, like I was talking about this property my wife and I looked at. You know, it's, it's got, you know, it's, the cliff is probably, I think it's about 70 or 80 feet from the, the sand to the top. Um, and there are stairs, you know, r- very rickety wooden steps going all the way down. Um, and that beach vanishes when the tide comes in. Um, you know, so, you know, there's caves down there that people explore. Um, you know, so sometimes they'll kayak over. But if like, if you take those steps down, and, you know, you're somehow cut off from those steps exploring the caves when that tide starts coming in, you could be in some serious trouble because that's the Pacific Ocean. It's cold, you know, you can, hypothermia sets in if that water, get, you know, if you're stuck in the water for too long. Um, there's ways way to, with, to, to utilize that kind of thing in this story too. I mean, to me, there's nothing more frightening than, than Mother Nature, you know, whether it's a hurricane coming at you, you know, a lake, you know, the ocean, something under you while you're swimming, you know, the, all, all those things, you know, they they, they hit us on that, that primal instinct level um, and there's nothing more frightening than, than something, you know, as big as, as mother nature.
2: Yeah. Or as small as a little wave grabbing at your ankle on <laughs> the outer banks. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Well, uh, always a pleasure having Riley on. Uh, yeah, he, he did hit the, the three episode mark, uh, so far and, uh, welcome back. Hopefully I got him lined up for that, for his new book in June. We're, we're going to hold him too. If, if he makes that deadline, uh, no so pressure, no pressure, Riley, no pressure.
3: Uh, who's up next week, JD. Uh, next next week, we've got Kimberly McCright. Uh She's a New York Times bestselling author, um, most known, I think, for her novel Reconstructing Amelia, um, which was nominated for an Edgar and Anthony and Alex Award. Uh, there's a TV show that was either in the works um, with Nicole Kidman um, or maybe it'd be done at this point. I'm not quite sure where they stand on that. Um, but her latest novel is called Friends Like These, and it releases in paperback uh, next week on the 16th. Excellent.
2: If you'd like to be notified as soon as new episodes publish, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and sign up now. We'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.